This is a Soulfire production. Today, we're talking about a subject that I had no idea would be so controversial. But mainly, it's because I did something right after my honeymoon that a lot of you found strange. I cannot wait for you to dive in and listen to today's episode because I am answering your top questions about solo travel, feeling safe, and why victim mentality has a big role in whether or not you travel alone. Welcome back to A Sharper Life. I'm your host, Nikki Sharp, and I am here to help you move through your biggest challenges in life so that you can feel inspired every single day. Each week, I discuss topics such as masculine and feminine energy, spirituality, sexuality, business 101, answering your biggest health questions, relationship advice, and so much more. I am passionate about helping you create a life you love because I know what it's like to feel burnt out, overwhelmed, unsure of what you want to do in life, and quite frankly, losing hope. I have managed to completely turn my life around by using the tools that I share each week in these episodes. And if you're new to the podcast, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. New episodes come out every Sunday in what I call Sharper Sundays so that you can kickstart your week with actionable items, inspiration, and motivation. I would also like to mention that the doors are open for registration for my once-a-year program, the Ultimate Transformation Program. This is a four-month deep-dive journey into you. So UTP is where you will overcome your biggest fears, you'll get clear on your deepest desires, and you'll learn how to achieve anything you want in life. It's a program unlike anything out there as we go into the subconscious mind using a mix of science, psychology, spirituality, all of these combined to help you see life-changing results that actually stick. So if you'd like more information or to join, please visit www.ultimatetransformationprogram.com. I will also include the link in the show notes. Or feel free to drop me a message on Instagram if you'd like to see if the program is right for you. And just so you know, early bird pricing is in effect right now where you can save $500. The program starts September 17th and it lasts for four months and spots are limited. So without further ado, let's jump into a controversial topic that you know I love all things controversy. So I just got back from Cancun where I took a two-day trip. And it might not seem that strange because, hey, going to Cancun, a lot of people do that. And what happened after that, though, is what shocked me. I had no idea how many people had not taken a solo vacation before. And not only that, I had no idea that so many women would get so triggered that I went on a trip by myself right after I got married. So we just got back from our mini moon and I had about a week in between the mini moon from when we arrived to when I left for Mexico. And here's why I am in disbelief about people's reactions to my trip. So I didn't ask me anything on Instagram about basically you can you just ask whatever question you want. It's shared anonymously and then I answer with 
whatever I feel comes up in that moment. And I wanted to know what you guys wanted me to answer about solo travel. And what stood out was the amount of women who messaged me saying that they couldn't believe that I would go on a trip right after my honeymoon. And those who feel guilty for leaving their families. And this was a common theme, as well as women not feeling safe to take a solo trip by themselves. And so there were other women and quite a few of, few people who messaged me saying they literally had to ask for permission and are often either told no or made to feel guilty or bad by their partner. And I also received messages, quite a few, from women who are unable to leave their kids even for gym time because they feel guilty about leaving their children even though they know it's good for them. So if you have been following me a while, you know that I live my life in accordance with prioritizing my own needs. And yes, this is selfish. But I am a big believer in being selfish as long as you're doing something that keeps you in alignment with yourself, reconnects you with yourself, or is done with love for love for you or someone else. And really for me, being selfish, this was taking time to decompress from the wedding. And if you listen to the podcast episode all about the wedding, it was a lot. And I did get overwhelmed and the planning and everything leading up to that. Our mini moon did not go as expected in the slightest bit. I haven't even done a podcast episode about that quite yet. And I really just felt like I needed some time by myself because we're also moving. We're going to London for all of September and life feels pretty busy right now. And so for me, taking this time off for my little, what am I calling solo moon? So we have our honeymoon, our mini moon and my solo moon. That was a chance for me to reconnect with myself. It also allows me to miss my husband and I feel more appreciative when I'm away. So those are really good reasons if you ask me for being selfish. And I think the whole concept of being selfish has a bad rap just as self-care has a bad rap. And I'll get into that a little bit more. But I wanted to dedicate an entire episode to solo travel, answering more questions that I didn't get a chance to in my Ask Me Anything on Instagram, as well as going a little bit deeper in my answers. And I really want to talk about why there's so much victim mentality in the world right now, especially with a lot of these comments I got. And here's the tricky thing. We don't even realize that we are in a victim mentality. That is how ingrained and intertwined it has become in our everyday thinking. So it is causing a whole host of challenges in your life if you are a victim. And we know this. We know that victimhood is not a good thing. But when it's so ingrained and unconscious, that's where it starts to make really negative effects on your life, especially if you have kids. And we're going to also dive into that. So I'm also going to give you easy to follow tips on how to start solo travel if you've never done it, how to feel safe, and my favorite tricks to enjoy alone time by yourself. So as you listen to this episode, I'd like you to consider, are you afraid to take a trip alone? If so, what is the specific fear that holds you back? Number two, are you in a relationship where you feel you need to ask for permission to do certain activities? 
And number three, do you have children and feel guilty if you spend time away or you always seem to find an excuse as to why you can't have alone time? So if we're going to talk about solo travel, we actually need to back up and talk about why. Why would someone go on a solo vacation? Well, let me ask you, why do you go on a vacation with friends? Why do you go on a vacation with your parents? Why do you go on a vacation with a lover? For me, I enjoy spending time with other people to connect with them. So let's take that word connect. If you and I are going to Mexico, where I just went, and we're going to go spend two days, what is the goal? Well, the goal is to relax, to enjoy, maybe to go explore. It's to connect with one another, to learn more about the other, to have laughter or to just feel in general more connection, more connection to the place, to yourself, to the other, to deepen a friendship. Now, if you have taken my relationship course, you know I talk about this, the four levels of communication. If you have not, I'm going to run through them really quickly. So the four are not all of them, but the four levels of communication essentially is that we have different levels based on where we are with other people in terms of the types of conversations we have and how emotional we are willing to become, how vulnerable and emotional we are willing to become. The goal is to get to number four, which is deep vulnerability with others and oneself. So why would you go on a solo vacation? If you take the same answers that I just said for going on a trip with someone else, you're now just swapping the other person for yourself. So when I go on a solo vacation, I get to connect with myself more. I get to become vulnerable with myself in my journal and talk about what are the things I may have been you know, pushing under the rug or numbing myself or distracting myself with work. I get to find more peace, more calm, more happiness. So the exact same reasons why I would go on solo travel with someone else gets applied to with me by myself. And the goal is to enhance my relationship with myself Because when I have a greater connectivity with myself, I come from a more loving place towards my friends, my family. I am more grounded. I'm more calm. And I have more of a full tank to give. So if you know anything about the five love languages, the whole concept is that you need to have someone else, essentially. And I actually teach this a completely different way in the Ultimate Transformation Program. You need to fill your own tank. Essentially, you want your love tank to be filled. And so if your love tank is full, you are overflowing and you're a much kinder and nicer person to those around you. If it's empty, you're reactive, you're aggressive, you're judgmental, you have criticism. So the same goes for the relationship we have with ourselves. And in the Ultimate Transformation Program, you are the most important relationship you will ever have. And so that is why solo travel is so important. Now, what are the benefits of taking a trip? And I'm not even talking about you know a two-week thing. I went for two days, not even two days, two nights. I was there for a day and a half and I came home. So what are the benefits of such short travel or any travel at all? It helps you to learn new things about yourself, how you might handle challenges without having to worry about someone else. It allows you to meet new people. For example, on my flight back to Miami, I ended up meeting this fabulous mother and daughter. And the the mother, they were both French. The mother did not speak any English. The daughter was maybe mid-40s. And 
we just started talking about all the different travel that we've done and comparing hotels across the world. And I had such a connection for a fellow traveler who has been to so many of these interesting hotels that many people wouldn't know about. So we had a shared interest and connection, which was really nice. I personally love that when I go travel by myself or I go to restaurants, I can have a conversation with with the server and I get to know their story. And when you're with traveling with someone or a group of people, you're much more likely to give your attention to those people versus getting to know a quote unquote stranger. And if you ask me, strangers are cool, not when you're a kid, but as an adult, I find human beings and everyone's story fascinating. That's why I love teaching what I do because I get to listen to your story, hold space for you. So it's no different when I'm traveling and I get to listen to a server. You have new experiences. You get to sit on a beach and do whatever you want. You don't have an agenda based on someone else. You get to just have your eyes wide open to whatever may come. It is a form of self-care. So solo travel is a huge form of self-care. It also takes you out of the routine. So if you're feeling like you're in a rut or you've hit a plateau or you're feeling hopeless, then I absolutely suggest going for a little trip, even if you take yourself out for a solo dinner, because it helps you to get out of the space of doing the same thing. So in in neuroscience, the neuropathways that are created happen when we do the same things day after day and they get planted into the brain. And if you listen to last week's episode, episode 19, I talk about the subconscious mind and that's where your beliefs are stored. So if you have a belief that I'm never going to meet a partner, then you're probably going to be doing things the same way day after day because if you shake it up, well, your mind is going to start to get shaken up. And I always equate UTP to a snow globe of really starting to shake up the mind and consciously choosing where to put your thoughts. But here's the interesting thing. Let's say you're feeling hopeless in life or you're feeling down, you're angry, whatever it might be. You're frustrated. I want you to think about your day-to-day routine. Do you wake up at the same time? Do you sleep on the same side of the bed? Do you sleep on your right side, left side? Do you sleep on your back? How often do you sleep on completely different pillows? How often do you get out of bed on the other side of the bed? Do you have a routine where you brush your teeth, take a shower, eat your breakfast every single day? Or are you okay with uncertainty? Like my life is so uncertain. I have no idea what each day brings and I love it. I have a certain amount of stability in that I know I will work. I know that I will speak with clients. I know that I will probably record a podcast or do some form of social media. But outside of that, I don't have a ton of structure because I actually thrive on uncertainty and lack of structure because it allows for whatever to come will come. So when you think about that, going on vacation takes you out of routine. That is a really important thing. If you are looking for a change in life, you have to do something different. And another beneficial reason of solo travel is it provides distance from someone that you might be around all the time, allowing you to miss them and appreciate them. And for me, when I do solo travel, I love to sit there with my journal and I just write all the things coming up, all the feelings. And then I start to realize, wow, I really miss miss my husband. And man, 
that was a really fun night we had. And then I'll typically message him and share my words of appreciation. So there's a whole host of reasons why it's beneficial to solo travel. Now, what I would like you to do, if you have a pen and paper or maybe your phone, I would like you to write down all of the reasons that have prevented you from traveling by yourself in the first place. I just, I want to get clear. And having a deeper connection with anyone, including yourself, means getting raw and vulnerable. So what are the fears that hold you back? Well, some of them that came up in Instagram were, you know, fear of safety. So I want you to go a step further. What does that mean? What are you actually afraid of when it comes to safety? And I put this in Instagram, but are you afraid of being abducted? Are you afraid of getting in a car crash and not knowing what to do? Are you afraid of a plane crashing? Are you afraid of not being able to speak the language and going to the wrong place? What are you specifically afraid of? Because our fears are always worse than what actually happens. And if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I highly recommend it. So all of these different things play into self-care, all of the benefits I just talked about. And self-care is not just bubble baths, lighting Palo Santo in your house, going to a yoga class and buying a $15 green juice from Whole Foods. We have overused and misused the word self-care. Now, self-care, if you ask me, is really about facing your own fears, which is why I'm having you get clear. What's the actual fear that you have about solo travel? So self-care is about acknowledging the parts of yourself that either need healing or they need to be seen and loved. And trust me, we all have those parts. And it's being willing to own up to things in your life and parts of yourself that you find uncomfortable and just to do the thing that scares you. That's what self-care really is. And it's also letting go of the excuses that hold you back and victim mentality. So I might ruffle a few feathers with that that uh, quote-unquote definition of self-care, but self-care people get so mixed up on, you know, oh, I journaled today, yay, that's wonderful. But how vulnerable are you getting with yourself? And this is such a great topic of solo travel, especially because it triggered quite a few people that I went right after my honeymoon and mini moon. Because I want you to think about what triggers you or what makes you feel uncomfortable in that. Why do you feel uncomfortable hearing that I went on vacation by myself right after my honeymoon? Is it because you think, oh my God, well, you just got married. You should spend all your time together. Or maybe you think that because we just had a a honeymoon, that something's wrong in our relationship and maybe we're going to break up, right? So getting clear on what are the thoughts that are taking up space in this precious brain of yours. So let's go into this. Let's actually talk about it. Why was I in Mexico? Why did I take a solo vacation right after our honeymoon? Well, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, there's a few reasons. One of them, it has been a busy fucking time leading up to the wedding. And you guys know that if you follow me on Instagram, there was a lot of planning. There was travel drama. When we got there, we had to pre-send bags there. We had people, luggage getting lost. And we had to move hotels four times in six days, I believe, during our wedding. We had people flying in from all over. I didn't sleep enough. I was exhausted. And you guys know that. At the same time, it was such an emotional high and roller coaster that naturally, my husband and I put expectations on each other. 
oops, didn't mean to do that, but hey, it's life. It's normal. We all do it, unfortunately. The key is just to get real and share what the expectations were, even if afterwards, and to acknowledge that each other did the best and forgive. Now, after we went on our mini moon, and of course, you want it to be the best possible experience. So hence, there's more expectations. We went to Rome. It was so hot. Neither of us could wear our wedding rings because you take it off and it would just bruise your knuckle. We go to Sardinia. We're flying out to Sardinia. I had one of the worst travel days of my life. I felt so sick. I don't know why. I think it was just a buildup of all the exhaustion. And I just felt so, so sick. I thought I was going to vomit. I've never vomited on a plane before. It That sort of terrifies me. I don't like the barf bags. And because I also have experiences with my mom throwing up on a plane and, you know, it goes into that, the beliefs in your subconscious mind. So I just had an awful day. We get to Sardinia and the service was very, let's just say not good. And so it wasn't very romantic for us. Then we went to Paris where it was like a hundred degrees and my wonderful friend let us stay at his, his apartment, but there was no AC and it was hot. So there was a lot of things adding up. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times when people are hot, they get cranky. And of course, I'm an angel. I do no such thing. I'm kidding, of course. But there's just a lot of things that you have to be realistic about. So we had the, the, we had the wedding, the buildup of the wedding. We had the actual wedding, which was a lot. Then we had the mini moon, which was absolutely not all romantic, not as romantic, let's say, as we wanted it to be. And I learned some really valuable lessons too, like on your honeymoon or mini moon, don't try and do all the crazy tourist travel. Sit in one place, let them treat you like honeymooners. And there was that. Then I mentioned that we're also packing up our stuff. So we broke our lease and we decided we wanted to move. So we're moving all of our stuff into storage. Luckily, it was already furnished, but moving stuff. We're also going to London for one month. And right when we got back from our our honeymoon, we had all the uncertainty of we didn't have an apartment lined up yet. We didn't have an apartment in London. My husband was going through some visa stuff and we were trying to figure out if I was going to go to Germany with him. So talk about uncertainty. Talk about a lot of stress and talk about just needing a minute by myself because I also run this podcast. I have private clients. I have the Ultimate Transformation Program coming up, which is my favorite program in the entire universe because of the results it delivers. And so there's a lot of work going on for that. So I just wanted a break. And I have been traveling for many years of my life because I was a model. I'm used to this. I've been in South Korea without a cell phone that works. And I only had a phone number, no money for a payphone, And the people were not there to pick me up at 11 o'clock at night. And so I ended up, and this is prior to, this was like 2011 or 12, I believe. So at that time, it kicks you into gear of, okay, what do I do now? So one of the things that I really love about solo travel is it forces you to learn how to become street smart. What do I mean by street smart? So there's book smart. And many of you, probably most of you, went to some form of school, whether it was college or high school, or maybe you dropped out after middle school, but you have probably gone to at least a day of school in your life. Now, book smart, we all know what that means. It means that you got good grades, you know subjects inside and out. Street smarts, for me, on the other hand, is far more important. 
It is having a wit about you that if something goes wrong, you know how to handle yourself. It is making sure that you don't put yourself in danger in a possible dangerous space. So when people were talking about, you know, solo travel, safety, all of that, the funny thing is, for me, the only times that I have had sort of scary moments, none of them have been when I've been traveling, ironically, and none of them when I'm alone. And I think there's two things to that. One, when you live in a place, your alert goes down, you're on your phone more, you're kind of used to your surroundings. When you're traveling, at least for me, my senses are heightened, meaning that I'm not on my phone walking down the street. I might look at it you know, for Google Maps, but I'm not just like staring at my phone and casually walking into every person that I see because I don't know the road. Whereas here where I live, I kind of know each step around my building. So I can zone out a little bit, be less present, which the whole goal of life and meditation is to be more present. So the times that I've actually had scary things happen, I was living in Australia, but I was drunk. It was 2 a.m. I was just coming home from the clubs. I had decided to walk home instead of taking a taxi. Not a smart move. I was on my phone holding my purse and a guy just ran and I was stumbling and a guy ran up, grabbed my purse and ran away. Well, you know what, Nikki? You probably shouldn't have been drunk at 2 a.m. walking down the street by yourself looking at your phone. Possibly, maybe. Or if you're going to do that, maybe choose a different road, a more popular road where there's cars. So another time was when I was living in Paris and I locked up my bike and there were four men that kind of circled around me. And I went every spidey sense in me kicked into high alert. And Here's why I want to give real world examples though, because I didn't acknowledge them. I didn't freak out. I didn't go into kind of protective mode. I stood my ground. I locked my bike up. I didn't look them in the eyes or anything. It's kind of like when you hear about various animals trying to attack you or not attack you, but like bears, I think that you're supposed to like slowly walk away. It's the whole point of not making yourself look like a victim so that nothing happens to you. So when I was drunk at 2 a.m., of course, I already looked like a perceived victim because it's easy to steal my bag. Whereas when I was locking my bike up, I just kept my energy, acted like everything was okay. And then I walked quickly as soon as they moved away into my apartment, locked the door, went upstairs, locked the door. And that's when I was able to be like, whoa, that felt really bad. But in the moment, I needed to have my alerts on. And that's why it's so important to be in tuned and aligned with yourself, which is why solo travel is good. A connection with you. Come back to you by getting in touch. How do you do this? Journal, get vulnerable, talk about what fears are coming up. Think about the food that you eat. Does it make you feel light and energetic? If so, you're having a better connection to yourself. If you're eating things that make you feel heavy and full, well, your connection to yourself is already diminishing. So with every podcast episode I do, I'm trying to help you get more in alignment with yourself, your intuition, your gut, your spidey senses. If all your hair stand up on end, think about why. What's going on around you? For me, my hair stand up when clients talk to me and I can immediately tell they're in alignment. Other times, if my partner and I get in a crunchy moment, my gut starts to feel bad or my heart feels bad. So it's paying attention where do you feel things in your body? So instead of say, you know, I feel scared, where in your body do you feel scared? Oh, you know, in in my shoulders. 
or if you feel angry, where in your body, that is the goal of connection. So for me, going to Mexico was an opportunity before going to London, before packing up in a time when it didn't feel very convenient to reconnect with myself, to get out of my routine, to journal, to meditate, to work on my own dream binder, to come up with the new ideas for business and to reconnect with you guys on stories and Instagram. So Mexico was a chance for me to connect with me. And it has nothing to do with my partner. It has nothing to do with the fact that we just got back from our honeymoon and he's very supportive. This is something that I love. He knows that solo travel is really important to me. And I know that he loves to travel in kind of bigger groups with his friends. That's perfect. That's not my cup of tea as much. I'm happy to do it, but I would rather go do solo travel or travel only with him. So it's also acknowledging what makes you feel good. And if you haven't done solo travel, we'll keep listening because I'm going to give you tons of tips. Now, I'm going to continue to share some examples from my own life, but I also want to answer questions that came up because I think that by sharing these and also giving you my answers, it's going to help clear up some more things around this topic, specifically how people got triggered or challenged by the thinking of that I was just going on a trip right after my honeymoon. So there was one comment of how brave it is to travel right after my honeymoon. How brave. Well, apparently I'm a brave girl. And how I became a quote unquote brave girl is because I listen to myself. I am in tune with my needs and I communicate with my partner. He was all for having me go. And I really want to encourage you to ask yourself, if you're under the camp that it's brave to travel solo after your honeymoon, what is brave about it? Is it because you think that the partner wouldn't like it? Well, in that case, what are your shared and aligned values? Is it that you just can't fathom doing that? If so, why? Let's go back to that question, why? So I had another comment from someone and she left a question in the Ask Me Anything. I answered it. And then she, we had a conversation that ensued. So I'm not going to name this person. I'm just going to share some of what she said to me. So she said, why go solo if there is a possibility to travel with a partner? Everything is better together and shared, I think. So for the wonderful person that asked that, I would encourage you to look at your own life and think about what are the solo travels you've done and what have they given you? What positive aspects? And have you ever been on a trip with someone that was not good? Because we tend to think, that because you're on a solo trip, it's not going to be good. But because you're in a partnership and you go on vacation, it will be amazing and joyful. And I can sure as heck tell you that I have been on so many incredible trips by myself where I've met wonderful people. I've gotten to connect with myself. Like I used to go to Bali one to two times every single year to literally plug myself back in. I wouldn't talk to anyone. I would make it really a point just to kind of be in my own space. I would go to yoga, have my vegan dinners. I would talk to people if they talked to me, but it wasn't the priority or the goal. And I've also been on vacations in five-star hotels across the world where my ex-partner and I fought like 
crazy little kittens screaming at each other. So I would choose solo travel any day over the ones with, with my ex. And even that, when I travel with my, with my husband now, we have an amazing time. We love traveling together. However, there are times where I want to go out to a restaurant and not worry about what we're going to eat or just order what I want to eat. And we're, we have so many shared values that we do normally order the same thing. And, but sometimes like if he's in a, a bad mood for whatever reason, work isn't going well, he might take it out on me, not on purpose, or he might not be as engaging and fun as I want. So just because you're going on a trip with someone else doesn't mean that it's guaranteed to be good. Whereas if you're on a trip by yourself, you have a much greater chance of making it a trip that is memorable for you. So the next thing that came up was a girl and I had a conversation and I'm not going to obviously share who it is. And I'm just going to read what she wrote to me after she, she commented on a few different things. So she said, I just listened to your last podcast, episode 18, where I talk about our wedding and how you know overwhelmed we were or I was and kind of the lack of connection we had in certain areas. And so she said, why not include your husband in this getaway? As you said in your podcast that you didn't have enough time together during the trip, our mini moon. Don't you miss him? You're newly married. First time I see this solo thing after honeymoon. Now, yeah, it is definitely a newer thing. However, I am an independent girl and having my own identity is vitally important. And not only that, but a lot of people, what happens, especially for women, is when they get into a marriage and, and or when they have kids, they lose their sense of self. They lose themselves in the other person. So suddenly your life becomes more important than mine. Whereas I take the opposite standpoint. My life is more important than anyone else's because if my cup is not overfilled with love and joy and connection and peace and calm and fulfillment, I'm not going to be as good of a person to my partner. I'm not going to be as kind and loving. I'm not going to have as much to give. It's like driving a car and the example is so simple, yet we somehow don't equate it to ourselves. As a car, if you have an empty gas tank, your car won't drive. If you don't take care of yourself, whether it's prioritizing your sleep or journaling, meditating, dealing with the monkey chatter that comes up in the mind, if you don't give yourself self-love and expect it from someone else, you are literally running on an empty tank. If you don't eat food that literally nourishes your body, take away healthy, unhealthy, but that has vitamins and minerals and nutrients in it, and you are eating a sad diet, aka the standard American diet, then you have an empty tank. Your body will not have the energy you want. You will not be sleeping the way you want. If you don't sleep well, you don't have energy the next day. If you don't have energy, you don't want to work out. If you don't work out, you're more likely to eat less healthy. So taking care of you is literally the most important thing on this planet. Not someone else, not your kid, you. It's why when the airplane, if they say it's crashing and that mask come down, you put your mask on first because if you run out of oxygen, you're not around to put the mask on the kid. So you have to take care of you first. Now, it was interesting her comments on this. You're newly married. So that's already insinuating that well, just because we're married, I should start changing my life. Well, I like my individuality. And 
when you go into marriage, it is a union of two souls, two spirits, a spiritual union. That's literally what it's called. And you are both individual people. So by this comment, it's insinuating that when you get married, you should lose your own sense of identity and become the marriage unit only. And I have an opposite view. I think that you have you as the person, them as the person, you come together in holy matrimony, in spiritual union. So you have you, them, and us. So I, I, us. And it's a concept that not a lot of people talk about. So I understand why someone might think that. Now, I wrote back to her and she came back to me and said, don't get me wrong. I totally take time off from my hubby and baby for spa days and girls nights and stuff. Just not 100% convinced on needing to go to a different city for a break. So I want you to think about what I said earlier of if you're not feeling good in your life, if you're not feeling fulfilled or you've hit a plateau, you feel like you're, you know, hitting up against a rock, what is your day-to-day routine and where do you need to shake things up? So for me, just going to Mexico and waking up for two mornings, I woke up, I laid in this delicious comfy bed. I got up and made a coffee. I went outside on the balcony. I journaled. I did my dream binder. I meditated. I laid in bed and I did a call with my team. I worked for three hours from my bed. I drank coconut water. I went to the beach. I wrote emails from there. Took a swim. I ate lunch. I moved to a different location. I did more work from there. Moved to a different location just as the sun was moving. Ordered a drink. Worked some more. Then I read. Then I went out to dinner. That entire day was 100% one of the most Filling, rewarding days I've had in a long time. And I did my work. I, oh, I also worked out. Oh, no, I worked out the next day. I didn't work out that day because I worked out the day previously. And so I just wanted to relax. So I swam. I got everything done that I needed to work wise. But here's the thing we put so much priority on work, on business, that we forget that the self work is also work. You have to set time to do it. And so for me, in my day-to-day routine, I don't give myself those few hours in the morning. And funny enough, I got more done while I was in Mexico work-wise than I do any day here in Miami. So for me, going to a different city, no, that's not always needed. I can go do a staycation at a hotel here, which I do as well. And it is really about changing up your routine. For me, I knew that I just wanted two days by myself in a beautiful place where I know the food is good. I'd been to the hotel before. So that's my answer. It worked for me. But I hope you can hear just in the way that she spoke or what she wrote, there's a lot of insinuation and a lot of her own projections. So now I want to go through some next questions quickly. And they're not just questions, but comments. So someone wrote, solo travel is great. I think people are more afraid to be by themselves than the actual travel. 100%. Because when I ask you, what are you afraid of with travel? Are you going to say, well, the plane is going to go down? That makes no difference if you're with a partner or not, right? Are you scared to get in an Uber by yourself to the airport? Well, you've probably done that before, so maybe not. So what are you actually scared of? I am a big believer in this sentence because I think that people, not yet, I think, I know based on the work that I teach, that people are so afraid to sit by themselves. It's why we keep ourselves distracted with social media all the time, TV, online, anything, 
always needing to do something, be somewhere, work, drink, go out with friends. I want you to think about when was the last time you sat for 30 minutes uninterrupted without your cell phone, without a book, without a journal. You just sat there. So for me, I do this when I go to dinner. I will bring my journal and I will bring a book. I put my phone on airplane mode and I like to just sit there and be and I watch. And I do that for a while while I have a sip of wine. And then I'll write in my journal and I just write what's coming up for me. And then at some point I might bring out my Kindle and read. And people are terrified to do that. Once again, I want you to ask yourself, if you've never been to dinner by yourself, what's the fear? So the fear typically is that people will judge me if I'm by myself. People don't care about you that much. And I joke when I say this, but it's also true. People think that others notice them. I know that none of you really deeply, truly care about my life. You care about maybe, yes, parts of it, but you care more about the advice that I give you so you can implement it for your life. Like, you don't care if I go buy a new dress or not. It doesn't have an impact in your life. Or you don't really care if I necessarily took an Uber today. Why would you care about that? Or if I drove to the post office. But what you do care about is, let's say if I did take an Uber and it was a bad situation, how I handled it. So people don't really care about others, but we all think that others judge us and they really don't. And if they do, it's a projection of a perception from their life, not yours. Listen to that again. Now, someone else wrote, don't you feel alone? I mean, more alone than when being in your hometown. So here's an interesting thing. The answer that people want to know is always in the question that they ask. So don't you feel alone? I mean, more alone than when being in your hometown. So this person's already telling me that when they're in their hometown, they feel very lonely. So I feel lonely in Miami all the time, totally, because it's a big city. I don't meet up with friends all that much. It's been summer. We're all traveling. But here's the thing. When I'm traveling by myself, I don't feel lonely because I'm with myself consciously. I'm present to me. So no, I actually feel less lonely when I travel because I bring about a level of consciousness that I don't necessarily have when I'm in Miami, a level of presence. And that's really the key thing. If you have presence when you're solo traveling, if something comes up, and you're aware of your body, you're aware of your emotions, where you feel things, those spidey senses, you're going to be just fine. So here was a fun one. How do you keep the hot guys from swarming you? You're gorgeous beauty. Well, thank you, my love. First off, thank you. Secondly, they don't. And that is because I put up what I say, an energetic block around me. It's not that I don't like to talk to people, but it is very much in the sense that For me, solo travel is where I go to recharge. It's like going to Bali. I don't want to talk to people. And if you know the definitions of introvert, extrovert, most people get these wrong. So I'm a very extroverted person in the sense that if you put me and my partner in a party with unknown people and we're together, I'm more likely to go make a friend and nourish that friendship. However, that's not the definition of introvert and extrovert. It is what fills you up and recharges you. And that's I'm not saying the official, official, but I want you to think about, do you feel more alive, more recharged? Like, let's say you go to a big party and you come home. Do you feel like you need to be around someone in order to feel recharged? 
or maybe you need to go to another party the next day, or go out to dinner, or be around people. Or do you feel recharged when you're by yourself? So for me, I'm actually very, very introverted in that if I'm not by myself, I get so burnt out. And that's definitely what happened at the wedding. I need solo me time. I'm an only child. All my family, my cousins grew up in another country. I've spent so many years of my life traveling alone. I've learned what it means to be alone and not be afraid of it. So this is key. I put up sort of energetic blocks because I just don't want to talk to people. So if you see me while I'm on vacation, by all means, please come and say hi. I love talking to people. I'm just not the person to initiate the conversation when I'm by myself. So no, I don't. And the other thing is most people do travel in couples and no guy wants to get caught, you know, looking and talking to some pretty woman and nor would I want that to happen. And the other thing I've noticed too is a lot of women tend to get triggered by me when I'm walking around because, you know, they might look at me and get sad that they don't look the way that I do. And my whole thing on that is everything I teach is coming into you so you can love you no matter what, so you don't get triggered by other people, what they do. But it's also why I keep to myself because I know that people can get upset by either the way I look or sometimes what I do. So I just keep to myself and I love keeping to myself because I love my own company. And that's the key thing here. Do you like your own company? Because if you don't like your own company, it doesn't really matter if you solo travel or not. But I would start with going to dinner first and we'll get there. So moving on, and I'm going to go through these a little bit quicker just for sake of time. But someone wrote, I'm a mom of three, all under four. It feels selfish that I go, but it's something that I long for. And then I had someone else say, I thrive with alone time, but it triggers my partner. I can't even imagine asking him for solo time. And I clarified with this woman to, to really understand what she meant. And she said that she had a, it's what it sounded like a verbal and or physical relationship when she was younger. And so now she has kind of projected that and taken that out onto her current husband. And she now then feels guilty because she was kind of rude to him in the beginning that he gave up so much. So there's so many layers to this. And that's why I love UTP and the work that I do. But here's the thing between both of those. Essentially, you are a victim without even knowing it. You have just given up your power to someone else. Now, you don't even recognize it. You've just given up your power to your kids. And I have one of my dear, dear friends who came to, to the wedding and she was saying to me, she, she knows that she needs to take a solo vacation just, just for rejuvenation. And she has no problem going to the gym. She has no problem going out to dinner with girlfriends or you know spending time alone. But for whatever reason, she cannot get herself to take a solo vacation. And I'm going to add something in here, especially for if she's listening, where she does not sleep well at night. And that is because she's always prioritizing clients instead of herself and her own self-love and sleep for herself. Now, I said, wouldn't your husband be happy to, to take your daughter? And she's like, oh my God, he would love to. He'd probably like love to. And she recognized that she was not doing this based on a comment that I said, which was, I want you to think about what are you teaching your children if you never take time apart from them? 
what are you teaching them? Because what you are teaching them is codependency. And nobody wants to be in a codependent relationship. But this is where it starts and how we don't even realize it. So because she prioritizes her clients and stays up super late writing emails and doing her business, she has just become a victim in her own life. She has given away her power that her clients are now more powerful than she is in her own life, which then means she also feels guilty for taking time apart from her beautiful daughter. And she's now given away her power to her daughter. So she has a codependent relationship with her daughter. And when we talked about this, she said, oh my God, you're right. My parents did this to me. And I didn't even realize I'm doing the same thing where her parents always put everyone else first. So I want you to think about this. Do you put other people first? Do you put your lover, your parents, your friends, your clients, your children before your own needs? If so, without even recognizing it, you have given away your power and you are now in a place, if someone else has more power than you, it puts them in a position of control. They might not know that they're in that position, but if they have more control over you because you've given them that power, it automatically means that you have less power or you are powerless, i.e. a victim role. And that is how so subtly we get into these. It is crazy. And if you go back to the comments that the one woman wrote me, said, you know, you're newly married. That is, without even realizing it, a victim mentality saying that because I'm married now, he and this relationship is more important than my own needs. And that's just my perception. I could be wrong in what she meant. But I really want you to take a moment to think about what I'm saying. Let it sink in because taking a solo trip, going to dinner by yourself, thinking that people are judging you, who the fuck cares? Honestly, if someone judges you, who cares? Does it affect your life? Like if someone judges me for using the word fuck, which happened ironically, do I care? No because that's a projection of what you think. So I want you to get clear on your fears, first and foremost, about taking a solo trip or even just going to dinner by yourself. I want you to get clear on your fears about feeling guilty if you have kids and you're like, I I feel guilty even to leave them to go to the gym. Why? Always try to ask why. Why do you feel guilty? Just take a pen and paper and write it down. And if you really want help to overcome these, I highly recommend joining UTP or message me on Instagram and we can have a chat to see if it's the right fit. Now, I want to move on to a few questions where now I'm giving you some tips and tricks for traveling because we've gone through this. As you see, solo travel is a mindset-based reality. It is all about do you choose to prioritize yourself or do you choose to put others first? Are you in a state of being a victim without even knowing that you were? And I'm not saying it's a bad thing because so many of us are without realizing it. But are you in a state of being a victim? Are you giving your power away to someone else? Do you prioritize someone else's needs above your own? If so, it's not about the solo travel. It's about uncurling all these bullshit beliefs that are in the subconscious mind, in which case, go listen to last week's episode, episode 19. So, Rapid fire. Do you have a favorite travel rewards credit card? So I have a few different credit cards. Um, I have the Chase 
Inc., Chase Sapphire, and American Express Platinum. I think that American Express Platinum is by far the greatest credit card out there for travel. However, it does come with a, I believe, $695 annual fee, which is pretty hefty. But they do give you $200 back on credit for Uber a year. They do give you money back for airlines, $200, I believe, as well. They give you access to lounges. So I basically never buy business class tickets. I always use my points. And then if I'm not flying business, I will always use a Centurion Lounge or Priority Pass, which you also get. So definitely Amex. Outside of that, I'm not so certain because that's the one that I use priority-wise. How about safety? This came up time and time and time and time and time again. So safety. How safe do you feel in your own hometown? I feel just as safe traveling by myself as I do when I'm in Miami. But here's the thing. I don't put myself out there and walk the streets late at night. I don't do things that I wouldn't do here where I live. And at least for me, and this will go in some of the tips, is I don't go to places that I would potentially not feel safe. And more specifically, when I do solo travel, I like to just go sit at a hotel. It's not an exploration for me. It's a time to reconnect with myself. So for me, going to a nice hotel, maybe going for a walk outside, maybe a hike if I'm there. But really, it's just being there in a place that feels grounding. I don't like to Airbnb when I'm by myself. So I have little guidelines that I follow. So the safety, just think about what would you do in your hometown? And is that something you would do where you're going? Would you do the same things or would you make a change? Like, as I said, the only time that I've been quote unquote robbed was when I was drunk living in Sydney, but I was acting silly on my phone 2 a.m. drunk, shouldn't have been doing that. So favorite places to travel solo. Tulum, I really love to go to Tulum. Something I do recommend is just asking around for friends. And this is the same with Bali. You ask around just to have someone who knows they'll be able to give you a local driver's phone number because you don't want to get picked up by a taxi at the airport. They they double charge you. Like an example is going from Nizuk, which is where I stayed, it was $68 to go 12 minutes from the airport, which was atrocious. But when I went from Nizuk to the airport, it was $30. So airports always overcharge you. Just ask for people, ask your friends on Facebook or Instagram if they have any contacts to where you're going and if they have a taxi or you know whatever recommendation. Or go to a place where there's Uber and take Ubers, but Mexico does not have them. Um, anywhere that's a big city. So as I said, for me, when I do solo travel, it's about reconnecting to myself, which means that I want to go somewhere that I'm not having to you know, think about things. So I like luxury travel all the time, but I really especially do it when I'm by myself so that I don't have to think. I don't have to be on edge. I don't have to worry about things. I know that the standards are going to be good. So that's really for me traveling solo is anywhere in the world. Like I've been solo traveling in Positano. And that was super fun too, because I met people and I'm someone that if I'm at a place where I want to get to know people or meet someone, I'll ask a friend, hey, do you know anyone you know that lives or works in Positano? Or, hey, I'm going to Sydney, Australia. Do you know anyone that lives there that would want to meet up for a drink? One of my dear friends, Kevin in Paris, I met via a friend where I said, Hey, I'm in Paris for a few days. Do you know anyone? And 
me and Kevin became dear, dear friends and have done so many incredible travel, not so much travels, but just experiences all over Paris together. So lastly, advice for first-time solo travelers. First off, I'm so proud of you, especially if you're going to do it. The advice is this. Start small. Go to dinner in your local town, wherever you live, city. Just start there. Start doing that so you get comfortable. Go sit at a bar by yourself on a Thursday or a Tuesday when it's not too busy. I like sitting at bars where I can bring my my journal and I journal. People think it's so weird, but it's led to some of the coolest conversations. And I remember being in London, having a drink before I met a friend for dinner. And it was like a Thursday night. I brought my journal, super busy bar. And I think it was Novikov actually in, in London. And I sat there drinking my martini and journaling. And the guy, the bartender, literally could not believe it. And he came up with such an interesting conversation. And we just bounced back and forth. And it was fun. I got to know someone all based on something, quote unquote, weird. That's what I'm saying is that people don't really judge you. They might think it's weird, but it's an opportunity to have an interesting conversation and share a new perspective. So bring a journal, bring a book, bring a Kindle. Try to put your phone away. That's a big one. Don't just sit there at dinner on your phone. Really be aware of your surroundings. And what I like to do is really take it in. What's the lighting like here? Huh. If this were my restaurant, what would I do differently? Would I change the lighting? Would I keep it the same? How's the music? Do I like the music? If And I always think about that. If this were my restaurant, what would I do? Or if I were on a date, what would I think about taking the person here on? And I also say the reason you put your phone away is to really make sure that you're not just sitting there obsessively on it. You want to create space because with space comes answers. Now, let's say you're comfortable going out to dinner by yourself. Book a staycation. So I love staycations. And you just book a hotel where you live for one night. It's that simple. You drive there, take an Uber there, go out to dinner, you get to go home back to your hotel room and then you get to go home, you know, after 20 minute drive the next day. So start there, do that. And then once you get used to that, book a two-day trip. Or you can always go do something like a yoga retreat where you're traveling by yourself, but then you're meeting up for a collective experience. And I'm I'm a very big believer in doing retreats as well because then it makes you feel a bit more safe. Another opportunity to do it is travel somewhere solo, but meet up with someone while there. So say, like I had a a girlfriend who came to the wedding by herself, but then afterwards she had a friend come in and they started traveling together. So she at least got to do the first, and this was her first time leaving America by herself. Our first time ever leaving America. She got a passport literally for my wedding and she found it to be much easier than she thought. And she messaged me before saying, what are tips and tricks that you think I should know? And I was like, honestly, they're all pretty easy. Just don't do anything you wouldn't do in New York and or do all the things that you do on New York, you know, like keeping high alert. And she found it to be so much easier than she thought it was going to be. And now she can't wait to go travel more. So other advice is have fun. Your world is reflection of what you think. And if you listen to episode 19, I talk about Beliefs, thoughts, words, actions, results, destiny. And if you're sitting there thinking, oh my God, I'm so scared, I'm so scared, I'm so scared, you're probably not going to be very open to the joy and 
wonderful, beautiful moments that will just happen. A lot of times I've had incredible, like the guy that I told you, the bartender, what a beautiful random experience of me sitting there journaling. But if I had been sitting there, oh my God, oh my God, someone's going to steal my purse. Oh my God, I wouldn't be open. So just think about what's the experience you're trying to have. Another tip is don't be on your phone walking down the street like you do here in, you know, wherever you live. Be present. That's where pickpockets, thieves, like just keep yourself smart. You can even do something as silly as, and it's not even silly, but Google, what does it mean to be street smart? How do I be street smart? And just look it up. And you're probably more, quote unquote, street smart than you think you are. And I would say, you know, if I were going back and my first time solo traveling, I would tell myself, your mind is going to make it seem way more fearful than it's actually going to be. Relax, enjoy, know the local number of an emergency number. I've also, by the way, never had to use a local emergency number in my life. Thank goodness. But know it if that makes you feel more safe. Have your phone set up that if you press a certain button, it goes on alert. There's things to do to calm yourself. And once you've done them, let go, enjoy, have fun, take a vacation after your honeymoon. Who cares? Do it for you in the hopes to reconnect with yourself because that's what all of this is for. And that's really what this whole podcast is about is teaching you how to have a better relationship with yourself. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this extended episode. Clearly, I'm quite passionate about this topic. And if you think that this episode would be beneficial for anyone in your life, please send it to them because I think a lot of people need to hear more about solo travel and why it's so beneficial. And if you have not subscribed, please do so. Leave a review. And I love reading everything you have to say. It really just warms my heart to know that these episodes are helping you move through the challenges in your life. And until next week, here's to a sharper life.